the corn was still green and it was so beautiful and like grass was growing on the path so it was like you were entering this jungle it was really magical yeah but corn's not supposed to be green for fall festivals no we had our greenhouse out there and it oh yeah it splayed the greenhouse open like it busted <laughs> i'm not I'm kidding when laughing. i say splayed because that's the best visual i can give you ripped both the sides open the roof it looked like a toupee blowing off of a guy just blowing <laughs> through the wind and then coming back and setting down our son's back brought one of his friends with him and they run around the back of the barn and then they just stop <laughs> they just I mean, there wasn't all the squealing and the excitement that i expected from the kids seeing the chickens This is Edible Economy. Welcome back. I'm Nate. I'm Kim. And today we're going to talk about forming what we call a local foods campus. We're rocking it out in Brighton right now with, in the year two of the farm. Yeah, so we talk about, we reference the farm a lot and we just want to dive into that today. And let you guys know, what what is it? What is it? How to get started? Where is it at right now? Yeah. So... What a journey it's been to get here. Yes. Um, so we're not farmers by trade, but we have been thrown into the fire and we've learned, man, we've learned a lot. But so I want to start by talking about how did, how did we get here? And I'm not going to go into all of the rich, rich history of the farm because it's got a lot of that. Um, I just want to really talk about how, how we, again, how we got here. So our company, well... There's a couple of companies, but the one sure. we're talking about, I guess, is uh, Local Foods Campus, yep. and Bromley Local Foods Campus in, in particular. So we started uh, by looking at a property in, in Westminster called Schoenberg Farms, and it, it's awesome. It's, yeah, it's an amazing historic farm on a busy road. It's like the last farmland in the area. Yeah, it's not I mean, even very much property. It's just a cool old barn and house. And it used to be a lot cooler until they started tearing down all the buildings. Right. It. Yep. It's still got a really neat barn. Yep. And maybe one day that'll happen. But we were able to form all kinds of, of great plans, you know, whether it was having community gardens or the incubator and accelerator. And we'll get into that a little bit more, what, what we think an incubator and accelerator is. And yeah, to the year-round local farmer's market. To, to food production. To food, yep. Not just growing it, but pro- food processing, creating a big processing center and and the the amount of things that we've learned from there is it's incredible and i'd say the biggest takeaway that we've we've learned is strategic partnerships i didn't even know what they were i think we've talked a little bit about this before yes we have man you 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 can get some really good people behind you some good groups behind you and i don't think it's possible without them right because these kind of projects they're not like high returns you know it's not going to attract an investor like the seven investors that that do like all these jobs you got to find this special guy you got to find a special female whatever girl (laughs) to that 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 has heart in in what you believe in to to invest in this it's not going to make a a lot of money quickly so tell talk a little bit about your one of your driving forces behind not only all of the other local foods projects you do but 
but one of the driving forces in the vendors. Yeah, I mean, when we started meeting vendors from around the state and, and learning about their products and stuff, you know, they become like family to you. They become your chosen family. You get to see them every summer. Um, and and then they're re- they're doing really good all summer. And then winter comes and you know that they're like, it's like hard times. And then you're just trying to figure out how you can help them through this time of low sales. And then, you know, they come back in June and they need to make money to buy a car so they can actually get to, you know, do sales. And so, so this is, that's the conundrum. How can we grow these small food companies and, and year round is, the first place you have to start, really, because you need to help them create monthly income. And more, and we were going to do that in Westminster. We were going to do that, and it did. It just didn't quite work out, right? Um, and so, before we move on from Westminster, it, it's also not just about helping those guys find year round, but it's also creating the interest in the community and getting people really, really. Uh, pumped up for it and I mean did we did we had at a regular city council meetings we were bringing out you know 75 100 people who would all get up to talk and I mean getting 10 people to go to a city council meeting to support a big hot button issue is difficult and we were we were bringing them out in droves I remember one of the city council people taking a picture of everybody and saying, oh my gosh, I just this this turnout is awesome. She didn't know what we were about to talk about when we were like, get it done and make it happen. And uh, well, I guess they never really have gotten it done and make it happen, but that's okay. Because while we were working on it, our partner associate, Vern, was out at the district plan. And just real quick, district plan is a plan in Adams County to preserve farmland not to preserve it for view space or to keep a a beautiful house from being torn down or anything like that but to actually keep it in farmland it's pretty forward-thinking stuff the county to buy up these farms before developers do so it's just not a sea of rooftops and so they said hey we've got this property you guys we like your ideas you guys should come and check this out and see what we're doing or see what the possibilities maybe this would work out maybe it won't and so we went, we checked it out. We're like, okay, yeah, this, this looks pretty cool. And that's before they had done any of the renovation. Then they started doing renovation. And man, they ended up spending $3.5 million renovating and making this place just awesome. And then the possibilities from what we had wanted to do before just exploded into, oh my gosh, from going from an acre and a barn, we are now looking at a farmhouse, a barn, uh, a carriage house, 10, ten acres, acres, and in a city that wasn't just saying, oh, that's a neat idea. We, we you know, it's that's right. cute. But saying, we're going to be here to help. We want this. Well, and they already happen. had the asset ready to go. They just needed to find... The operator. to make it what they call a living farm. Yeah. So they call it a living farm. We call it a foods campus. So with all that info, I know it's, it was a lot of info, but now we get into the fun part and the exciting part. So they offered it up uh, via uh, 
request for proposal, an RFP. We won. We put together the team and the plan, and they loved it. We still love the plan. We still love Brighton. They still love us, I think. Yes. <laughs> and so uh, let's talk a little bit about what, what that was. And yeah, how you make a food campus. What does that mean? Yeah. So we have uh, to talk on here a little bit about... Uh, well, first, like in our plan, right, in our proposal, yeah. there was a giant list of... Huge. <laughs> ...of things that were going to happen in year one. Um, and basically, the city staff and city council told us immediately, like, we love your enthusiasm, but we know that that's yeah. not all going to happen in year one. And we, we thought, we still thought it was. We, we were like, did. oh, they're really supportive. And uh, they just said, well, let's just see what we can get done. And uh, we, we didn't know if that meant, we didn't know exactly what that meant. But no, we learned. We did. I mean, we learned. Let's go through some of the things. I mean, we wanted to do a pumpkin patch. We wanted yes. to have the incubator and accelerator, office space. Uh, say some more. Events. Like massive events. Massive events. But in farming, mostly like vegetable and fruit production. Yep. Corn maze. Um, Remember the arrows? Classes. One, yes. of the, one of the suggestions was to have uh, these bow and arrows where you run around and shoot each other with bow and arrows. And we just, uh, it never happened. But I mean, can you imagine going and shooting each other? Well, they were and... like headphone caps. Were, but they were still but bow still, and arrows. No insurance company was ever going to give us the policy. Yeah. And then 100, <laughs> we, we planned on 100 chickens. Oh, we right. Planned 100 on chickens. Raspberry, the giant raspberry patch. Uh, and the list went on and on and on. <laughs> and, and we were like, we're going to do it all. And then you start to realize there's a there's a couple of limitations. One of them is is funding. You you, you got to fund whatever you're trying to do. Yes. And the other is time, which also has to do with money because between just the very limited people that we had on our team to do it, there's no way to accomplish everything. But we still thought we were. And then then we realized, okay, let's then let's look at this list. Summer came. Yeah. Then summer came when it was time to plant and till and buy the seeds and then oh gosh greenhouse and then how do you keep a greenhouse and by the way we live 30 minutes away from this so how do you keep things going all through you know to keep the plants alive all through the winter and everything like that and we definitely we had some help uh with, with some former partners that that helped doing some of that stuff but we realized it was too ambitious yeah. and it was it was not hard to go to uh, to go to the the person from the city that was in charge and say hey you know we're gonna limit our list by about ninety percent and we're just really gonna focus on these things and do them really really well or learn how to start doing them really well in future years it's, I don't know I I think we did more than ninety percent I mean I think we yeah, did more we than ten percent but um, yeah just on a smaller scale. Yeah. But I think we should, one of the funniest story, maybe not the funniest, but the most gratifying was the corn. So we had a corn maze planted. Oh, yeah. And it's really cool. You probably don't know that these corn mazes are planted in the shape. So no one comes back through and cuts out the maze on our farm. Um, It's planted that way. Yeah, it's a GPS. 
GPS CAD yeah. on the tractor thing. Yeah, and they drive, it essentially drives itself with somebody in there, and it plants all the corn. And yes. So we got it planted, and it was what? Foot tall? End of, yeah, when did they first plant? End of May. Uh, May 21st, I just okay. found out the other May day. May 21st. May 21st when they yep. planted yeah, and so, um, and then mid-June. And, and then we got a lot of rain, so that was good, you know, because we're paying a lot for water out there. Yeah, so. city water. Um, so that was great, yeah. And then we got a call awesome. in June. About mid-June, we got a call, and it said, hey, guys, so the way we planted, uh, our planter was off by six feet. So every time we took a left, it reset. So your maze actually isn't planted in the right way. So this is our first ever time doing a corn maze. And we're just trying to grow this corn as fast as we can with as little as water possible so it's ready for October. Yeah. And they say, guys, it's it's actually not going to work. Your paths lead to nowhere. You can't tell that yet because the corn's not tall enough. So, you know, I guess people could actually get lost and starve to death inside of this corn maze. Oh, gosh. No. <laughs> no it's so, only three and a half acres. It's not, that's not going to Hey, happen. it was but, only three and a half acres. We'll talk about challenges. So anyway, <laughs> what happened? So we had to figure out, we had to find someone with a big old tractor again to come rip up the corn, right? Yeah, Retill it. all of our beautiful corn under the ground that in mid-June. That had been rained by the sky. Yes. Yes. So watered by the sky. So we had to till up the whole thing and start over. And start over. In late June. Mm -hmm. In Colorado. In so. Colorado with no rain. Yeah. <laughs> and remember last year... It, it did not rain very much on us, right? I mean, right. We had one week of, of really good rain. Yeah. So we're out there dragging these hoses around on three and a half acres, these two and 300 foot hoses, and you can't just pull them to where you want to go because if you pull them, you're going to kill all your Rip corn. corn. And so we're taking sprinklers out there that spray like 100 feet and, and maybe not 100 feet because you have three of them going at the same time. And we're dragging hose and, all day long. And I know some of you are thinking, why were you even top watering? And that's a that's a whole nother thing. That was just the beginning, though. We were top watering. Yeah, we were just bringing it up. And another reason is because we can't flood irrigate, um, which I don't know if people know what flood irrigate is. No, I've learned, but I it's don't essentially even know what it is. you dig trenches in between the corn. And then you fill up those trenches with water. So you, sure. you know, I'm air quoting, flood the field. Um, and it doesn't really flood everything. It just goes. Why can't we do that? Because of the price of water? Because of the price of water. You know, we were <laughs> okay. paying for city water. You, you can't really, you can't really do that. So anyway, we sprinkled it up. Yeah. Sprinkled and sprinkled months, and sprinkled. Months of top water. Well, it wasn't months. Expense. It was, it was about, yeah, it was about a month of top water expense. Which turns so, out to be thousands and thousands of dollars <laughs> to do that. So anyway. So then we have this irrigation system, right? Oh, this was fun. So. <laughs> and. We don't know how to do it. There's parts. We don't know how to do it. We've never done it. We're supposed to have farmers to do it. That's just not happening. So Nate and I go out in the field. Yeah. And try and figure it out. So and connecting like there's like a regulator and like a oh my gosh, and like yeah. a air thing. We don't even know what these yeah, things are. We still don't know what they're. We called. still don't even know what they're called or what they're for. But there was they're a diagram. in place. <laughs> there was a diagram. there was a handwritten diagram yeah, on a one piece of paper, on a piece of crumpled up paper, 
and it didn't have the names of stuff and there were lots of things that were the same size that we didn't need so i still don't even know what happened oh like one thing like a major thing was called lay flat (laughs) like what does that even mean okay i know farmers that are listening or know exactly what that means but we did not know what lay Lay flat flat was (laughs) and it turns out that it was hose hose yeah Mm -hmm. big three inch blue hose that everything else, that all of the drip tape would come off. So anyway, we figure that out. It takes us two days to figure that out. It'd probably take most people about three hours to do that. Right. right? And Maybe there's four. Like big PVC coming off oh, yeah. the tab, down the, down the length of the fleet field. Remember then putting the... the lay flat onto the PVC? Yeah. <laughs> so we have this huge hose that has to go on huge pieces of PVC and we don't know how to get it. I mean, so we're, we're heating it in the sun. Then we bring a hair dryer out there and we're blowing on it, trying to make it to where it's pliable. So it stretches. stretches. And we're like, how do you do this? Well, you know, try, well, let's, so we ended up buying WD 40 and spraying that all over it. And it just slid right on. Took white three seconds to get yeah. it on. We probably struggled <laughs> with it for two hours, pouring down sweat. We have a tent set up above us. Oh to do yeah, because it's so hot. It's like yeah. a blazer coming out of the sky. Yeah, and and we're you know we don't know how to do this, and I'm sure a lot of our listeners have no idea. These probably still don't know what we're talking yeah, about. Yeah, we should take pictures. So we, we have some pictures. We'll we could put pictures. them in the, yes. in the show notes of this. So anyway, we finally get that done. Okay, so the whole drip tape job and irrigation is supposed to take two, maybe three days to do everything. We have worked for two days just to get <laughs> the the first part of the irrigation and all the PVC and the fittings and yeah, everything connected together. to the water. So then comes the drip tape. <laughs> so these are like little, like one inch, like black plastic tape. Yeah, and they go they, about a hundred yards. They also lay flat. Yeah, they they're do not lay round flat. either. Yeah, <laughs> and they the, each one of them's about a hundred to hundred and twenty-five yards, and every I think eight or twelve inches, there's a there's a tiny little slit in there, and that's where the water drips, drips out. out of. And so, so you have to connect it. Well, we can get to connecting in a minute, but okay. let's talk about laying it out. Oh, remember? Yes. So these come on big spools. And there's usually a machine, but we didn't have the funds to pay for a machine. No. And at this point, we didn't know the farmers to borrow the equipment from. And we have to figure out how in the hell do you lay the strip tape for, I mean, I don't know how many, what, like 300 of them maybe? Yes. 300 individual things, like 100, 125 yards. So, so we are literally... they're big. They're like wide they weigh like 60 to 80 pounds each each spool okay and so kim and i take (laughs) take the drip tape and we try to fasten it down at one area and then just start rolling it along the ground yeah well then it starts pulling from the end so you know you're pulling the drip tape it's it's not staying in place it's twisting it's getting like all twisted off the spool off the side because yeah genius like cardboard sides that just yeah. bend over so, and everything so you roll it down and while you're rolling it 
the thing just starts to flip over. And I mean, you are literally hunched over something that's like 60 or 80 pounds on the ground, rolling it down the ground. And I mean, farmers that yeah, are listening this to this are like probably loving this. Ground. Probably this is like trenched off. ground. Like, well, it's not trenched, but it's, but it's like chunked, chunked, up chunked all over. You're like, yeah. Yeah. So in day one, uh, about eight <laughs> hours of work, I, what did we do? Like, Eight rows. Eight rows. Eight rows in eight hours. And there's a machine that would have done the whole field in maybe an hour and a half to two hours. So the next day we got a little wiser and we we realized you could you could put a bar in the middle of these and you could (laughs) and by the way, we're walking this together. We're doing this together. Kim is walking and flattening out the tape behind me so it doesn't, you know, just go every which way. Anyway, day two, we're rolling it out, rolling it out, rolling it out, using a bar that goes in the middle of it. And I think we did 12 rows rows that day. I I think that only lasted for a couple rows. And then we just started carrying them. Oh, yeah, we did it side by side. (laughs) And you would walk down one row and I would walk down the other. But then we got to a point where the corn was too tall. So we couldn't lift the reels over. So then that... Yeah, because day after day was passing. The corn was growing a lot at this time, right? genius plan was not good anymore. So then we finally figured it out. And that's what we're doing this year. We went and bought hose reels, you know, just regular garden hose reels. And we just took all the equipment off of them, and then you could, you could attach your hose to it. We bought two of them, so there was one on one side of the field, and one on the other, and you could just attach the spool the to the spool. hose reel. Yes. And then you just pull it, pull it, and walked, and it took about a minute and a half. And it doesn't get row. tangled. It doesn't get tangled. And you don't have to hold seventy pounds. And you can do it by yourself. Punching through corn. Oh god, that was crazy, wasn't it? So we were getting over like forty thousand steps a day. Yeah, both of us, and we were like not even touching, getting this drip line down. So it went from eight to twelve to like forty a day, forty rows a day. Yeah, yeah, it was it was awesome, and then we were done. (laughs) Finally, you know, just like that. Yeah. (laughs) So, um, but lessons learned. That's been one of the neatest things about the farm in year one is just we've learned so So much. So much. And By November last year, I was like, I don't want to learn one more thing. <laughs> That's right. And everyone's right. like, you always like, learn stuff, Kim. And I'm like, I don't care. Yeah, I learned enough done. this Full. year. Full. No more. No more. <laughs> so uh, do you want to... So the corn, the drip drip was down. Corn, to us, grew up beautifully. It was oh, six, yeah. eight feet tall. Yeah. It was, a, it was actually it was about awesome, at least like, eight honeycomb feet tall. design. It was great. We had a drone out there. It looked great. Looks like a bee feeding on a flower if you fly over it with the drone. Yeah. It, it turned out turned out great. And, and even though it was a smaller maze, we had people come out and tell us it was the most challenging maze that they had ever done. And I guess there's people that travel around and go to corn mazes. I didn't know that they existed. I didn't know anything about that until yep. last year. Um, and so that was uh, that was a really cool compliment. But this, I want you to talk about it. Most what we thought was the most unique, coolest it was so thing cool. that made us better it than any so other cool. maze. It's still so cool. It was, but we so when we like can't the farm repeat. festival opened in the fall, the corn was still green and it was so beautiful and like grass was growing on the path. So it was like you were entering this jungle. It was really magical. Yeah. Especially for kids and adults. It was too. Yeah. Um, 
But corn's not supposed to be green for fall festivals. No. And we learned that the hard way. We did. Because <laughs> So then... corn maze goes great. Lots of people come, lots of people come. And about midway through in October, we're, I'm going to set it up a little bit. Okay. We're out there with a uh, with with a field trip, um, and it is a field trip of 100% non English speaking uh, kids, which nobody told us. So we we're didn't out even there. Know that. Yeah, Kim reads this story I about the corn maze and how to play the game. Story about the and game. All the rules. No one even mentioned yeah. this to me. Nobody says a word. So. <laughs> And and they just keep giving us these strange looks, and we're like, "Do they not want to be here? Do they not they like it? I mean, what's going on?" So, so anyway, it had snowed the night before. Right, it had snowed, and and there was all kinds of wind and snow, and so. Uh, and we'll talk about the wind too. That's yeah, just horrible. But, but so usually it takes about twenty five thirty minutes to get through the corn maze. And it is about an hour and a half in, and we're like, where are they? Oh, God, don't. It was like maybe four, 50 minutes. It wasn't no, there an was hour and a group. half. No, there was one group that was an hour and a half <laughs> we in. We weren't letting people get stuck out there. Well, you couldn't tell because some people came and you, okay, maybe I tend to exaggerate <laughs> yes. from time to time. So anyway, but anyways. it was a long time. It was at least an hour, and I'm not backing down. <laughs> okay. So, um, and then they get back and they finally get, oh no, I walked in to find people. That's what happened. So I go in to find people because we're a little bit nervous that it's taken so long. And so I find this group and they're just, they're just lost. And then I finally realize why they're lost because the snow had actually, when you have green corn and snow falls on it and it gets really cold it kills the corn really quickly and then that's really really heavy so when it's dry that won't it just doesn't damage yeah like the snow doesn't sit on the leaves yeah and the leaves aren't i mean these leaves were six and eight inches wide at least yeah and so it pulls massive swaths swaths of uh of of corn over over on and the so ground. the, the, the cats lot, are all a lot covered. were just like half bent over and a lot were just like laying on the on ground the so they were just laying on the ground and the kids were lost and i was like oh now i see why you're lost because there's no real path so anymore. it was like huge dilemma number two like we need this corn maze to bring people into this festival like we have to make money because we spent so much on water what, what, how are we yeah, going to fix this What are maze? we going to do? Yeah. Oh my gosh. And that was the first time that I, I've always heard stories about, you know, farmers getting pretty emotional and upset when they lose their crop. And, you know, we've had, we've had yeah. large gardens where hail's just destroyed everything. And right. Yeah. It's upsetting. But I never knew the emotional toll that that takes. And standing out there, looking at the corn just destroyed. And we were speechless. Like, what What? Uh, what are we going to do? Oh, my gosh. What yes. are we going to do? So, being creative, <laughs> expressing some ingenuity. <laughs> Later that day, the After next the several trip days, left, yeah. what do you and do? And for the rest of the fall festival. Yeah, well, not the rest, the rest the... but for the next 10, 12 days, whenever there was big wind, 
it would knock over the corn. And so, but Kim and I figured it out. We were actually out there <laughs> standing the corn back up. One stalk by stalk stalk. at a time. <laughs> Three and, I mean, and a half acres. Thankfully, like the ground was wet enough that we could like stick it. it back in. And, and it yeah. stayed pretty much about 80% standing upright, right? Yeah. And uh, it was it was good. And you know how you do like... A repetitive workout and then you get a certain pain in your elbow or your back or something that precludes you from doing anything else for like a month well that happened to me while i was out there and i was just like i can't stop so i just switched arms and then you're leaning over i think that was actually more oh, difficult gosh. than than laying the drip then tape at first rolling the drip tape. yeah oh, it was gosh. uh but we high five high five <laughs> we figured it out didn't we so yeah, that was that was quite the experience. And then so we had snow. We had snow with some wind, but that that wasn't real wind. No. <laughs> because we figured so, out what real wind was in Brighton. Yes. And I was the festival was open. I was there, all the employees were there. But Nate was at a pitch competition to try and win the farm some money. Winning. Winning and he won. Yes, <laughs> yes. he won. Um when straight line winds. straight line winds come through and just blow stuff destroy up. twist six tenths in a minute six and we're just trying to like get the tents down before they blow and kill someone <laughs> getting everyone out of the festival we have like core class signs like giant like four by six foot choroplast signs getting ripped off like the board that they were screwed to and if you remember that wasn't even the worst wind of the of the of the festival no was it? yeah um <laughs> if, if brighton's windy bright yeah it was so windy so we just like nate's out winning a pitch competition to pay for everything we lost that day like <laughs> yeah pretty much it was so horrible and really scary yeah really scary yeah when i got back triumphant return <laughs> <laughs> there's nobody there and i'm looking around and i'm like what so if i leave no customers yeah Tom, what's right, going on whatever <laughs> but so and everybody's kind of huddled together crying a little bit shaken sad <laughs> and i'm like come on this is a time for celebration and there's no customers there and i'm like oh what are we gonna do right so and then i heard the stories and saw the mangled destruction that was the wind but again it wasn't the worst wind but before we get on to the worst yeah. wind so we were talking about this giant plan that we had to do all these great things out there. And one of them is to do farmer's markets because, you know, we do we do farmer's markets. We understand them. We've done them, you know, in multiple states. And we're going to do a farmer's yeah. market out here. And I wanna, I've want to. i been wanting to do, like, a Friday night farmer's market. Like, come, bring your picnic blanket, get do your shopping, get some ready-to-eat food, eat dinner. It'd be so fun out at the farm. And we'll eventually figure out how to do farmer's markets out there. But we just don't know how to do it with the wind. You can't do it. And that was another thing. These Each one of these tents that was like twisted and mangled around the upright yeah, poles. They metal had, ripped in half. And they had like four 40-pound weights on the tents. Yeah, at least. At Not least on each leg, yeah. you mean. One yeah. on each leg. So... 
Yeah. So they would, some of them would stay down, but they yeah, just Yeah, that's why they were mangled. just twisting. Yeah. yeah. So then we lost six that day. Yeah. yeah. So we're figuring out how to do, we'll talk about that in year two uh, when we get to it, but there is, there's not going to be a traditional farmer's market out there, we've discovered. No, we need to figure Wind out is shelter. crazy out there. Yeah, shelter. I was actually out there, what, two weeks ago? And there was such a steady wind that it picked the, well, it didn't pick it all the way up, but we have a, a big, big steel grain bin, like huge. You, you could park two cars in this grain bin, and it moved it six inches. And the only thing that kept it up was straw bales left over the, from last year's yeah, fall fest. Yeah, that were like stacked up fest. on the on the opposite side yeah, yeah. and there and then you if you i walked behind the barn and it wasn't just gusts it was actually steady uh so i could lean over and it was holding me upright it was it was pretty impressive like lean into the wind yeah it was so it was crazy it shredded the chicken coops oh yeah um, again for the third time yeah. yeah it was it was nuts oh it but anyway busted a three inch wooden sign yes just broken in half just broken in half like yeah. a karate chop yeah. So anyway, but back to this. Um, so more winds in the fall. We had our greenhouse out there, and it oh yeah, it splayed the greenhouse open like it busted. <laughs> I'm not I'm kidding when laughing. I say splayed because that's the best visual I can give you. Is like it busted through the door and just ripped both the sides open. So it was like splayed. And then the the roof. The roof was blowing, and I mean, it's probably, you know, it's both sides of the roof kind of flattened out and then blowing in the wind. It looked like a toupee blowing off of a guy, just blowing <laughs> through the wind and then coming back and setting down, coming back and setting down. It eventually was completely blown over and just became pieces all over the farm. One day we came out and just picked it up. Yeah. Picked yeah. it up. Yeah. So there's no greenhouse right now. There will be. There's one coming. So, yeah, lots of, like, weather issues that you don't think about. Yeah. Like, like you think about weather, but not, like, that big of a problem. Yeah, it was – but we learned a lot. I want to talk a little bit about um, – I want to move on to, to some of the animals. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay. So, I, we're, we're – uh, Kimberly and I grew up. We grew up in different different states, but we had lots of animals. There was lots of cool animals. Yeah, and, you know, we lived kind of out in the country a little bit. But at the farm, the the animals are, are a little different because they they like to be a part of every house that you have, and they like to live there because this farm sat vacant for 30, 40 years. So we were actually intruding on their unnatural natural habitat. Sure, and so. Mice. There was mice everywhere. Mice. I mean, we set up mice trap, mouse traps, <gasps> and we were catching between like eight and nine no, mice. Don't tell people that. <laughs> well, you had to. You had to do something about it because there's all this. It's like a museum inside of the house out there. So we had to. I just said catch the mice. Okay. Yeah, we caught that many mice. Okay. And then uh, snakes. Kim. Yeah. Loves we've, snakes. We've talked about my fear of snakes before. It's you love them. not good for me. Talk about talk about your invention. No, I told them about that. Like well, I thought, talk like about I'm it gonna again. put it's like hilarious. giant shin guards on our son and like for hiking, for <laughs> for just going outside in general. <laughs> <laughs> 
It's and like the snake up. bubble boy. <laughs> well, because if I was there, I would leave him to die with the snake because I can't think clearly when I see one. I just flee. So it's like on the airplane, put your mask on it's before terror. you put it on your child. It's terror. Like I start I hyperventilating. I can't think. So, <laughs> but that's, it's a real thing, guys. Uh, there are snake shin guards out there. Companies make them. You could just buy them. <laughs> oh, I'd love to tell uh, our next door neighbor who's a wildlife photographer about your snake guards. <laughs> I'm sure he has them. No. So, no, he no. doesn't need them. <laughs> Uh, on a side note, I heard about a guy who was a snake handler. He was driving down the road the other day, I think in Georgia, Texas, yeah. something like that. Picked up one and died. Picked up one. It bit him once. And he's like, oh, you know, that's going to suck because it was a rattlesnake. Yeah. And then so he went to move it again and it bit him again. And he, he's no longer. See, he's no longer. A I have a valid fear. Yes. A valid fear. <laughs> so we do have snakes out there. We've got coyotes. One of the coolest things that we just learned about is we have bobcats out there. Bobcats. Which I think is pretty dang neat that there's... Yeah, yeah. And then there's wild chickens. Do you know about wild chickens? What? Yeah, there's wild chickens. Uh, Yeah, there's wild chickens. I'll just leave it at that. And then there's pigeons. We have this ongoing battle with pigeons that live in the barn. Yeah. And, you know, we don't want to hurt the pigeons. Well, our son doesn't want to. Right. I'm, I'm good with getting rid of the pigeons by any means necessary. There's pigeon poop on everything. everything. Yeah, it's probably, like, it's probably not safe. It's... So we tarp everything and it, pigeons, pigeons, pigeons. So we're... So I'm waiting for but an owl reason... to move in. There's so many owls that live out there, and I don't know why one hasn't moved into the barn. I know. I know, but so if you know a way to get an owl to move into your place, let us know. And for people listening saying, well, why don't you just do something to make them not come back? Well, so it's a historic property, so we can't plug holes. We can't build things to the ground. Um, and they actually, what do, you, what do you call that area of the roof? The cupola? No, not oh. the thing up top, but, you know. Oh, just like under the the eave of the yeah, Roof. there's holes, and they will fly straight into those holes, and you can't even you can't see it. Yeah, they're tiny the little like so areas you, in this barn that you wouldn't even you can't even see. Yeah, because the cupola is screened. Right, so they're not coming in through that. Yeah, and so, but it's a historic oh. property, so you can't do a whole lot to it. But I think we've I, I think we've uh, we've convinced everyone that we got to find out what to do because we're going to make that into an education room with concrete and there's going to be food handling and all that so you can't have pigeons and pigeon poop and pigeon feathers all out there anyway so there's pigeons and then the last animal that i put on here (laughs) the black widows black widows which are not out there everywhere they are i saw them all over the garden I still, I, I've got to see one to believe it. I won't tell anyone that I killed one. <laughs> so we have, uh, during the fall festival, there's a group of, of five or six people that are helping us to do some of the harvesting. Everybody keeps talking about, we saw a black widow. What are you doing? And I still don't believe it. Okay. Well, I, they're there. You can catch them. one and make no, it a pet? No, no. So, you could feed it to your pet snake. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Um, but if you get bit by a black widow, do you die? I think you get real sick. 
I think if you are a male Black Widow spider, you die. But if you go to the hospital right away, can you live? Yes. Okay. So, yes. So, okay. So, anyway, and what are some other animals? Coyotes? We talked about coyotes. Oh, we did? Yeah. Okay. Oh, and then there's lots of geese. There's eagles. Yes. Um, what's the... What's the crane-looking animal. Oh, yeah, the, some kind of crane. Some kind of crane. A couple different kinds of cranes. <laughs> cool. Gray, white. <laughs> There's all kinds of wildlife out there, which is cool because we're going to live there. We're going we're gonna to live there soon, and we're going to be able to experience it because yeah, when you, so... the longer you're there, the more different variety that you see. So last, you know, last year... Meadowlark. Last year came, and we learned a ton, right? But we need to really get an even better handle on the property and how things grow and when things are watered. And so we're going to move out there for the summer Yep. Um, into the little house that's out there. So it's like a room, but it'll yeah. be fun. It'll be like camping all summer. And, and one of the other big reasons is because of all of the really cool strategic partnerships that we've started this year. Yeah. So, well... We could probably do a whole show that just talks about one one strategic partnership at a time. But and what you were so say. let's let's talk about all the awesome things that are going on this year. Yeah, and one event that happened at the very end of last year is um, Santa and Mrs. Claus. Oh called. yeah, Santa wrote us a letter. Yep, and he asked us if he and his wife could come out and do a fundraising event for the Brighton Optimist Club. Yep. And you can't say no to Santa. Right. Right. You know, unless you don't want presents. So So, so all the kids, all the families, they had a pancake breakfast. Yep. And it was their biggest single date fundraiser they had ever done out there. It was so cool. Yeah. And all the kids got to write letters to Santa and put it in the special mailbox and everyone got a response. Yeah, that's so Oh yeah, there was Santa had that mailbox that went straight to the North Pole. Yep. Yeah, that was awesome. So that'll be bigger this coming year too. With and the teas will be bigger. He's gonna bring his reindeer this this coming year. Oh, is he? Yeah. Nice. Mm-hmm. Nice. Yeah. So year two, we I knew. I hope I can fly him around <laughs> just a little bit. Maybe test spin. So okay. <laughs> so we're moving to the farm. We've learned a ton out there. We knew that we needed to get classes going out there, like offer classes, like homesteading classes, like, you know, beekeeping, fermentation, seed saving, basket weaving, bread making, basket weaving. <laughs> um, and we need to get a, get those offices rented, like the ones in the main house. There's three rooms upstairs that we want to rent out as office space. And we have like a big conference room downstairs. And so like all these things that we need to get going to. to And the co-working space downstairs. To, yep, to, which is coming online now. Um, so the farm. renting the space now. Yeah. So. so the farm needs to make more money to pay for water. Well, and it's not only that. It's cool. <laughs> Every day we drive down the driveway. I just look at it and I'm like, I cannot believe this is where I work. And this is what we do now. Yeah. It, it is just awesome. Um, and I, I, I want to share that with other people. I want other people to have their offices out there. And instead of going to work at a Starbucks, it's a lot cooler to go work on a working farm with all of these strategic partners that we're about to tell you about. So I mean, I just want to name them off first and then we'll talk just a tiny bit about them. So okay. 
there's veterans to farmers. They are uh, helping with our incubator farming program. Yes. Um, there is a farmer that owns Low High Steak Bar, and he's our primary farmer this year. There is another farmer slash vet that is going to be doing and offering all of our education out there. There is a lavender farmer who's going to have about an acre of lavender plants out there. So she's lavender farming. There is the Denver Rose Society and Colorado Community Rose Gardens um, is taking over all of the really cool... Uh, there's. There's something that's called a rose garden, but I think there was one rose plant in it and like 200 other plants, but it will now be a true rose garden. Yes. Um, the FFA, Future Farmers of America, um, they're raising animals out there now. So we're going to have animals for the fall festival, farm yes. festival. Um, and another big one, the Butterfly Pavilion. Oh, is yeah. Planting a butterfly pavilion. starter pollinator garden and doing some... Um, education out there around that and the Brighton Bee Club they're bringing six hives out yes well, six with. hives to start um, mm -hmm. I think we can have up to 18 on the property and then they're also going to help with the any like bee education classes that we have yeah oh and we have chickens now through the FFA so anyway <laughs> these guys have really made it just it is super awesome to just go out there. I mean, there's so much activity that happens all the time going out out there. Yes. And we've got, uh, so you want to talk about finding a farmer? That was yes. a really cool way that happened. So, well, you would think you could just find a farmer, right? Like, it's not hard. All these people want to be urban farmers. It's the life. Grow your own food. Right? It's all the hype. So year one, we had farmers. It's the hype. It's, it's, it's the thing to do. Yeah. Year one, we had farmers that ended quickly, shortly before harvest. before harvest. So we're trying to work with like Rocky Mountain Farmers Union. Do you know any farmers that you, you know, you have a whole urban um, department? No, we couldn't even really find farmers. So, so it's really hard to connect with And we had interviewed people. and brought out different farmers like from the Rocky Mountain Farmers Union. Like yeah. So it's, it's difficult. It's to find farmers to find... when we have primo farmland. We do. Yeah. Um, so. So. How'd you do it, Kim? So I. <laughs> How'd you do it? I'm kind of an introvert. <laughs> Nate's not. But I've sure made I myself go to a networking event, which I know sounds horrible. Um, because I knew a woman. I think it sounds great. Uh, it sounds horrible. I knew that there was a woman that I needed to speak to. She was going to be there. And I've been told she's so cool and you'll get along with her so good and you and just need to meet her. And, yes. So I went to this event by myself and met her, met Josie. And that's how the connection started. What's Josie's last name? Do you remember? Josie Hart. Okay. Josie Hart. So she, I was just talking about um, getting classes going yeah, and maybe growing some ancient grains because at this point we didn't have a farmer and we didn't really know, like Nate and I were going to be the farmers and... So we were going to grow pumpkins. Grow like pumpkins and ancient grains. Like again, we were in this whole... <laughs> we thought we were farming grow prob grains. Farming problem again. Yeah. And so I met Josie. She connected me to uh, a guy that 
wanted to do classes like fermentation classes, um, making bread, kombucha, things like this, yogurt. And so I met with him and from him, I, he connected us to veterans farmers. Nice. And then also connected me to Taylor who owns steak bar restaurant, low high steak bar and was interested in growing ancient grains, which yeah, that's all he was going to do. Yeah. Yeah. And so, so yeah, so that's how it all got connected. And so we met with Taylor. We met with Taylor. And we said, hey, you know, the ancient grains, this is great. And then he came out and saw the property and was like, hey, can I, I'm ready to farm. And at that point, we were just thinking, oh, man, we, that sounds great. Yeah, that that sounds sounds great. (laughs) And so that developed into he is now the resident farmer out there. Growing vegetables. I guess he's one of them. One of them. But this grew into an amazing partnership with Veterans to Farmers. Because right now, Veterans to Farmers has a program, um, grant funded. They get stipends. There's like 10, around 10 people per class. And they, they really learn about soil testing and um, crop rotation, all the things that I don't even know, so I can't say about farming. And But then these guys, they go through class and then their biggest barrier to entry to being a farmer is land. So now we have this food yeah, campus. So they finish, they have all the knowledge, but they can't farm. But they can't farm. They can't, they can't find land. Well, they can't find land and they can't get financing because they are farming and they're just starting a business. And because the beginning farmers program through the federal government is not for people that are beginning farmers. It's for people that already own a bunch of land or have been farming. You have to be farming for at least three years, which I don't know what you call people who are, you know, starting to farm. Maybe they're starting farmers. And once you're done being a starting farmer, then you're a beginning farmer. I have no idea. Anyway, so they couldn't get they couldn't get land. So yeah, it's just a huge barrier. So this started our accelerator. Well, the lavender started our our farm accelerator, but this is a huge piece of it because now once these guys, so we're like the graduate program to veterans to farmers, and then these farmers can apply to the veterans to farmers group to get like a quarter acre plot out at Bromley Farm. On, we just doubled the size of the farm. On 20 the acres yeah, now. Yeah, it's no longer not 10, 10 acres. We doubled it through a, just, just talking with some guys that that are that own and lease the land that surrounds us. Yes. And I think once they heard what we were doing, what the plan was and that it's going to be vets and working with the high school, they just thought it was awesome. Yeah. And so now they're going to essentially lease out individual farmers that graduate the program will come to the graduate incubator. Yes. And they will be able to prove that hey, I know how to farm. I've made some money. Look, I'm doing this when they go to funding sources, whether it's, you know, the FSA program through, I think, Department of Ag, uh, the U.S. Department of Ag, or when they go to banks, they will finally, they'll be bankable. Yes. And now we're working with, you know, the county and other landowners because once those guys graduate from the graduate program and they're, they're done with that, we're we're finding ways to maybe get them five acres or six or ten or something like that. So it's it's gonna be amazing out there working with these guys. 
And we're, I mean, we couldn't be more pumped up. Yeah, it's And awesome. we're going to have a good steak restaurant. You go, oh, and then and what then else is Taylor doing? Amazing farm to table farm dinners to table out dinners. there. Oh, that was on list. That was on the list for year one. Yeah. Well, we did one. <laughs> we pulled off one. One farm to table and yeah. one wedding. And one wedding <laughs> in year one. So now we're gonna have a resident farmer slash farm to table operator out there who's gonna. I mean, these these are gonna be amazing. So we'll we'll list all those dates when they are scheduled when they come about. Yeah. And let's just talk a little bit more about the FFA. So we started a partnership with Brighton <laughs> High School. They have an ag department, uh-huh. and um, which is also their FFA, which means Future Farmers of America. And the high school is just like, is it less than a mile away from us? There's a mile yeah. away from us? Yeah, not, it's about a mile, yeah. So we're becoming their, their... As a snake crawls. Yeah, basically their educational farm or their experiential farm where they can actually get out of the classroom and have their animals. So they've built a chicken coop, which got shredded by the wind a couple times, but now I think it's windproof, maybe. But it wasn't animal proof. But it wasn't animal proof. (laughs) So So they come out at least once a week. Right. So for this year, they come out on Thursdays and they've done soil testing. They've created a crop plan, you know, that's just, you know, as a, as a learning experience. Yeah. yeah. Learning experience. Um, and then they raised baby chickens. Yep. They hatch the chickens and ducks. Yep. And then we're growing the, you know, growing them for a few weeks at the school before they came out. Um, do you want to talk about the poor chickens? The poor chickens. They, they lived through one night out there at the farm, so I was shocked. So, and one of them, I'm going to set it up a little bit differently. <laughs> so one of the chickens had a little bit of a, something was going wrong with the chicken. We didn't know exactly what it was, but this is the FFA learning and they've got to, you know, the, the kids have to take care of their chickens um and the the teacher they take care of the chickens and this one chicken it just wasn't doing well let's just say that it would actually go while the other chickens were walking around playing in the grass frolicking it would go (laughs) and put its nose about a centimeter away from (laughs) the barn wall and just stare at it for like (laughs) 30, 40 minutes at a time. It was, we didn't know what the heck it was doing. And uh, I've heard really people call chickens dumb it. before. And now I, I'm starting to understand a little bit of that. No, they're I, smart. Yeah. <laughs> but it was, uh, yeah, it just stood So there. we didn't know if we were supposed to separate it that night. Like, should we put it in a big box in the barn, out of the coop? Yeah, what I should don't know. we do? With... But they're not our chickens, so. Yeah. So we. So anyway, the, so we so the kids are learning, and we herded all the chickens back in because this was a weekend. So we herded all the chickens back in. Our son, our son was was not very. He was he was a little bit upset with the chickens. Distraught about the very distraught actually about the because su- chi- it was suffering. Yeah, because it, it was suffering not well. And so we explained to him, you know, farm animals and you know blah 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 all that. One of the talks of, of the farm. So anyway. We get out there the next morning. Our son's back, brought one of his friends with him. And they run around the back of the barn and then they just stop. <laughs> they just, I mean, there wasn't all the squealing and the excitement that I expected from the kids seeing the chickens. And he says, they're, they're all dead. They're <laughs> gone. And 
to it. Something happened. <laughs> but he was bawling the day before. About the one suffering About the chicken. one that was suffering. And this one, he was just, uh, yeah, they're, they're, they're gone. T- and he looked at his friend and he's like, okay, let's go do something else. Well, I kind of was like, okay, let's walk away and let's talk about the circle of life. And hopefully there's a Fox family that got a good dinner last night. Yeah. Because I'm thinking I've just traumatized these two children. Um, <laughs> and what are their parents going to say to me yeah. and what's going to happen? It looks like an animal peeled through the smaller plastic chicken wiring that was up there um we think it was probably a fox we've heard fox or skunk or coyote but just the way that it gets in there we're 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 banking on a fox or a bobcat so there wasn't like a big mess um so that's why no one's traumatized i think but um yeah so it had to be a bigger animal that wasn't dragging them away but that could like pick them up and take them away and maybe feed their babies. But we will not have a repeat of that. No, no. It's all secured now. We asked Sawyer later on in the day, so, you know, you were pretty upset yesterday. And he said, well, that one suffered. And he's like, they all died quick, so they're good. They're all good. <laughs> and then his next question was, so when are we getting more chickens? <laughs> Which we did. We, and, and yeah, so we went and bought some babies. And we have they're... instructed the FFA that... that the the chicken coop needs to be a lot more reinforced. Yes. And so that's actually taken place now. So yep. And the, the chickens are coming back. Round two, we actually, um, we have one more because we didn't want to start with the exact same number because, you know, it just seemed unlucky at unlucky that point. Unlucky number 11? Yeah, and lucky <laughs> 11. And so, uh, yeah, and then the ducks are out there now. Oh, yeah, so now the ducks are out. So that's going well. Yep. <laughs> um, yeah, and so hopefully in the fall, the the high school program plans to have the kids out there for the whole uh, an entire day, yep. like a whole Friday. Um, different classes coming back and forth on a bus and doing stuff, and you know, there it's it's really cool classes. You know, there's the ag department and carpentry, and and so all these trades get electrical plumbing electrical all these trades are gonna help um do projects out at the farm like they the ffa they want bigger animals out there next year maybe some sheep or something no sheep pigs sheep uh, pigs and uh, a cow uh, uh, yeah uh goats what do you call it no Uh, a heifer and a baby cow Okay, so a mama and a baby. Yeah, mama and a baby. A calf. Calf, that's what I was going oh, for. Oh, is that it? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I was going for. So um, so all these kids... Still are, learning. They're helping with... The, so all the high school classes, they're helping. They're going to build a shelter. They're bringing in the, wa- bring the water to it, bringing the electrical to it. And um, yeah, it's cool. It's a cool program. And it, I'm so happy that they get a place to actually do it and make a... You know a real farm yeah and we've got we've got weddings scheduled for this year yep um there will be farm to table dinners fall festival number two is going to be so much better so much better well, it's great we have all these all these people out there doing stuff on the farm now and doing stuff in the land it just makes it so much more exciting and more alive really. yeah at all all the time now and like they're experts so we don't have to learn all this anymore right 
Well, we don't, yeah, we don't have to know it. Gosh, we, I hope uh, we still learn it. Yeah, we'll learn. Now it'll be fun to, though, not right. under duress. <laughs> <laughs> it's so true. It was. It was duress. But we still learned and still had a blast. Yeah. Yeah. And our marketing's going to be a lot different. Oh, Man, yeah. we learned. We learned that uh, billboards... They don't. They don't really work for us. Um, so we had billboards and we had bus billboards stops. Like all over the place, and yeah, and bus stop signs. We did newspapers. Doesn't work. Um, nope. Yeah. So there's a lesson, and as much as people like to complain about Facebook, sure you can't hit all of the demographics and all of the people if you're on Facebook. But guess what? You can hit a lot more for a lot less. And yes. there's going to be a couple of different graphics that you just have to figure out how to how to do that. And really, one of the best things we've figured out, um, not through not through Farm Festival because we didn't try it last year, but this year, uh, we'll do what we've done, and that's hire people to put flyers on on doors. And while it seems like oh people people aren't going to like that, you know, you get something for a lawn mowing service or another another garbage company or something like that. The thing is, is when it says has something to do with a farm or local food, people, they come out of their house, they talk to us, they love it. And they're, give me another one. I've got other people I want to hand them. So it's almost like you're giving them a gift. So yes. that's how uh, we're, it'll be a lot different. And then there's a really exciting guest Super that we're going to be bringing exciting. on soon. His name's Brian Arnold with the, uh, you know, he is an American Ninja Warrior. He owns a company called Ninja Nation here. And we'll have uh, we'll save that because that'll be pretty fun to have a whole show about what we're doing with uh, with the ninjas this year. It's gonna be awesome. Yeah, it's gonna be so teaser much for fun the future for the family. Yeah, and then there'll be lots of animals this year out there for the for the festival in the fall. So this is all in October. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and yeah. then pumpkins, animals, corn maze, and all the other stuff we'll tell you about. Yeah. So before we wrap up, I just want to talk uh, one second about like how did we get this done? And, I mean, first of all, it is a ton of grit and determination. I mean, <laughs> yeah, not knowing what you're doing and waking up and doing new stuff every single day all the time sometimes sounds like fun and sometimes it is fun, but it it, it can be overwhelming. But man, you just we just pushed through and we we got it done. Um, great strategic partnerships last year. I mean, and, and this year they continue Even better, this year. Yeah, uh, we have an incredible, supportive city. And you know, one of the things we we talked a little bit about the education, but that is a huge component of what we're doing out there. And so that's really where the the city and the county and other organizations, really governmental organizations become super interested in what we're doing and that makes them an incredibly strong strong partner to make sure that the success uh, of of everything that we're setting out to do happens and there's one misnomer that i want to talk about what and that's that i think people believe that the city is paying for everything that goes on out there and it's right. just not true no we pay them yeah we we actually lease the property and lease the from the city so it, it works the exact opposite from a lot of things and I, I think it's good for people to hear that because i know that it's just a yeah. it's something that needs to be cleared up yep so and it's important for us to create an amazing community asset and we we want to keep doing it we're going to keep growing this community asset for the city and for 
the state really too it's a great testing ground to make more of these historic turn more of these historic farms into working places so you can go to edibleeconomy.com and see our show notes and find out all about um, this this episode and find more episodes and you can also check out this project in particular at historicbrownleefarm.com but they're all linked so you can find us on both websites so, All right. I think Nate ran out of words. I did. I just, How does that happen? It just happened. I, I reach <laughs> a limit. It's like you're questioning. So thanks for joining us today. Thank check you. out edibleeconomy.com and check us out on all of our social sites at Edible Economy. And thank you, Morrow Media. And thank you, Morrow Media. Thank you.